Adding the choice of a crispy chicken BLT to Wendy's 4 for 4 is the biggest thing since rappers trying to sing. I got me out and I sound like a robot. But do you like the sound of this? Wendy's 4 for 4 now comes with a choice of a junior bacon cheeseburger or a crispy chicken BLT. From Detroit to Macon, I keep it crisp like bacon. Both are topped with crispy applewood smoked bacon and come with four nuggets, fries, and a Coke for just four bucks. Oh, yeah. At participating Wendy's for a limited time, meal includes small fries and a drink. Not valid in Alaska and Hawaii. Hello again, everyone. I'm Joe Longinusa, welcoming you to another edition of Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, the show where industry leaders, golf professionals, and legends all come and discuss the great game we love so much. So without further ado, let's turn it over to our host to tell us who's next on the tee. Chris, take it away. Hey, thank you, Joe. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for joining me again today on Next on the Tee. I am your host, Chris Mascaro, and today I have three great guests that I'm looking forward to sharing with you. First up is going to be Chad Parker. We're going to get a return visit from Chad. About a year ago, Chad joined us here on the show. He is the general manager and chief operating officer at East Lake Golf Club here in Atlanta, he presides over the uh, Tour Championship and one of the most historic golf, cur- golf courses here in Atlanta because Eastlake is the home of Bobby Jones. Chad is also doing some great work with a number of charities, which we'll talk about. Plus, he uh, he always teams up every year with Stuart Sink at the uh, uh, for a team called Q School at the Atlanta Barbecue Festival, and that's coming up on August the 14th. We'll talk about that, plus they've got a new event coming up uh, later this year in November, going to be held out at Eastlake. So we'll talk about all that and more when Chad joins me here in just a few moments. Following Chad, we'll get our monthly visit from Sports One Marketing CEO David Meltzer. Dave is doing some great work as well with his new site, MeltzerMission.com. He is so very inspirational to talk to all the time, and uh, his site is a great inspiration to wake up to every day. Plus, uh, he recently wrote an article, Six Principles to Coach By, which was uh, inspired by one of our good friends, Dr. Jen Welter, who, if you're paying attention to the news around the NFL, became the first female coach in NFL history. So congratulations to our friend, Dr. Jen We'll talk about Dave's article and those six principles, plus reflect back on the Open Championship and forward to the PGA when Dave joins me about 20 minutes from now. And following Dave is going to be 2003 PGA champion Sean McHale. He's back with me again to answer more of your questions, plus to look ahead to this year's PGA uh, Championship. So Sean will be around uh, about 35 minutes from now. So we got another great show in store for you, and I'm so glad that you're here to take the journey with me. Next on the tee is brought to you by Seymour Putters. Let's get, thing ro- get things rolling by hearing from a word about them from Joe Lajanusa. Golfers, has this happened to you? Great drive. Perfect second shot on the green. Only the three or even four putts shaking your head all the way back to the cart. I have good news. Help is on the way with the Seymour Putter. The Seymour Putter Company patented RST technology sets up the putter perfectly every time using a visible gun sight on the top line. Genius. It's like locking radar onto the target, in this case, the golf hole, putting the golfer in perfect position to make a reliable and consistent stroke. The 1999 U.S. Open and 2007 Masters Champions both use, you guessed it, the Seymour Putter. 
So if you're ready to make more putts and take strokes off your game, log on to Seymour.com. That's S-E-E-M-O-R-E.com and put a Seymour putter in your bag today. And guess what? So did this year's Open Championship winner, used to Seymour putter. So like Joe said, check out the rifle scope technology that helped win three majors and 36 tour events and counting. And it's going to help you make more putts too. I know it's helping me. Check them out online at Seymour.com and get one in your bag. You're going to be so very glad that you did. I also want to do, uh, introduce a new sponsor, the French Lick Resort up in Indiana. Folks, you want to talk about a spectacular place to go, to go play golf and to bring your family as well. Check out FrenchLick.com. It's so spectacular. I had the privilege of taking my family there uh, last month, and we're already looking forward to next year. I promise you that. The resort is historic, and it's beautiful. And the golf, the Pete Dye course there, hosted this year's Senior PGA Championship and is always kept in championship condition. The Donald Ross course that they have there is the site of Walter Hagen's PGA Championship victory back in 1924. They've also got the Valley Lynx course that dates back to 1907. Uh, they got another great event coming up here uh, at the end of this month, the Legends Championship with uh, many of the greatest LPGA players of all time. And then, in fact, let's hear a word about that great event. Inkster, Rinker, Bradley, Stephen, Blaylock. Our rich golf history comes alive once again as the legends of the LPGA return to French Lick Resort August 28th through 30th. The Legends Championship, presented by Old National Bank, benefiting Riley Hospital for Children. See the greats of ladies' golf take on the gorgeous Pete Dye course in a fun and relaxed setting. Learn more about the Legends Championship presented by Old National Bank, August 28th through the 30th at FrenchLick.com. So, folks, the French Lick Resort needs to be on your places to go check out and stay and play. And, uh, by the way, a special happy birthday wish to their director of golf and our good friend here on the show, Dave Harner. Dave, we hope you get everything you're wishing for, my friend. Again, check it out, FrenchLick.com. We also want to kick off today's show like we do every single week here on Next on the TNS by saluting the brave men and women serving in our military. We want to thank all of you for your daily sacrifices and for what you do every day to keep the rest of us safe. We also want to thank our veterans for all you've done for us over the years. We truly appreciate everything our military personnel do to pre, uh, preserve our freedoms and our liberties. It's through your strength and your efforts that our way of life is even possible. Our sincere thanks as well to Sean Cruz and all the wonderful folks over at the Armed Forces Radio Network. It's an honor for us to have our show be a part of your network. You can find us by going to armedforcesradionetwork.org. And I also want to remind our veterans, please check out globalvoiceforveterans.org. It's a great site with news and articles and a wealth of information designed specifically for our veterans that I'm sure you're going to find both interesting and beneficial. Again, check it out online, globalvoiceforveterans.org. And I also want to thank everyone listening in across the Internet on great sites like iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spreaker, Stitcher, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio as well. Plus, and if someone's dragging you to the mall or to the grocery store, or you're simply tired of the same old, same old on your commute, download the Player.fm or the Stitcher app on your smartphone so you can take us with you everywhere you go. Let us give you something fun to focus on while you're out and about. All right, now joining me on the Seymour Putters guest line is Chad Parker. Let me give you uh, some background on Chad. He is the general manager and chief operating officer at Eastlake Golf Club here in Atlanta. Eastlake, as you know, is the site of the PGA Tour Championship over the last five seasons. 
Uh, he's originally from Florence, Alabama, graduated from Mississippi State with his degree in marketing and professional golf management back in 1995. Started his golf career in 96 as an assistant golf pro at North River's uh, Yacht Club over in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. In 97, he became the head golf professional over at East Lake. He is also uh, PGA certified in general management, which places him in the top 3% of the members of the PGA of America. The Atlanta Business Chronicle a few years ago named him uh, one of the top 40 under 40, and he is also the chairman of the Healing Place Charity Championship, which is an annual event played at Turtle Point Yacht and Country Club over in Killeen, Alabama. The event is hosted by Stuart Sink. The Healing Place, folks, is a nonprofit facility located in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, that provides ongoing education and support programs for grieving children, adolescents, and their families. The Healing Place's mission is to make a difference in the lives of children and family who have experienced the death of a loved one, and it offers services uh, to the community free of charge. So a wonderful uh, place and a great charity event. Please check it out online. Chad, thank you so much for coming back and being a part of Next on the T today. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to uh, discussing. Chad, so let's let's start right deal right there about the healing place. Talk about how you got hooked up with Stuart Sink first of all, and then about how you guys put together that event every year. Stuart and I grew up together. We're both from Florence, um, that that area where the healing place is uh, located, and so we grew up, uh, learned golf from the same. Uh, professional Chris Burns at Florence Country Club went through his junior program and we played golf together and and still play golf together as much as we can so um when when Stuart had uh been on tour for a few years he decided he wanted to to do something for the community uh, that we both grew up in in terms of a fundraising golf tournament and we selected the healing place as our charity um I have uh, family um ties to the healing place so we started, uh, you know, almost 15 years ago now. I guess the next year will be our 14th year. Um, and uh, we've had a, a lot of great professionals come through Florence, Alabama over the years, and we've raised a lot of money for the healing place. So it's just been a, a win-win for for all involved. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Good for both of you. Mm-hmm. And Chad, you and, you, you and Stuart also team up, like I said in the intro, and to make some mean barbecue at the Atlanta Barbecue Festival, which is coming up here August 14th and 15th. I see your team, Q School, is listed among the pro teams that are going to be competing again this year. What can folks look forward to, and how can they find you guys, by the way, at this year's event? Uh, well, we'll we'll have a we just got a, a, a new tent, um, and so. Um, you know, it's uh, the the Q School is the name of our our team, and so you can you can look for that. Um, we hope that uh, we, we Q School is signed up. I'm not sure if Stewart is going to be able to compete. His his son is uh, moving into college that that during that same time frame. So we're trying to work that out in terms of his availability. But um, it's so close to where we are, we we could not enter it. It's a great event, a lot of fun. So um, some of the other guys that we cook with will be there, and we hope Stewart will be too. And you guys have won the event in the past, right? We've won uh, one of the categories. We won best uh, first place in ribs the last time we cooked there in 2013 um, and finished in the top ten um, in terms of the total score of the professional teams, which was always a thrill. But, um, you know, we'd, we'd certainly love to win the overall event, but that, that, would, uh, that would take a, a lot of good cooking to do that. <laughs> and homemade pickles this year? Your homemade pickles going to be on display? Uh, we'll probably have some 
around. We're not allowed to, to technically sell any food-related products there, but we always have some on hand to, to sample and to, to nibble on while we're eating. And um, you know, The only way to get the, the homemade pickles uh, officially is you have to play in Stewart's charity event that he does up at the River Club called the Sink It Challenge. And every year I do... I'll make a jar uh, for each participant. So I'm starting that process now. Um, so I got to make about 150 quarts um, to, to, to wow. fill that demand. So, um, so anyway, that, that's that's the only official place that's that they're available at this point. <laughs> All right. And Chad, uh, you guys over at East Lake, you've got a a new event coming up this year, right? Uh, Going to be out there in November. Talk about uh, what we can look forward to. We do. It's called the East Lake Cup. Um, it's going to be uh, televised on the Golf Channel November 2nd and 3rd. It will feature um, the finish, the top finishers from the semifinals from the NCAA tournament last year, both men and ladies, and it will be a match play event um, open to the public. And so the teams will be announced um, in the next couple of weeks uh, via the Golf Channel and their media outlets. So we're preparing to host that. Um, and very excited about um, the opportunity to uh, continue the great amateur golf tradition um, that's associated with Bobby Jones and others who were members of the club. Um, so it's it's a it's gonna be a fun event um, for for those that live in Atlanta to come see some really great golf. Yeah. So for for those of us who are here in Atlanta and we want to find out more information about it and who's you know who's going to be competing there and tickets and all that sort of thing, where can we go to find out? There'll be a website um, announced at that same time. Um, the the Golf Channel is, um, you know, a lot of those details, it's the first year for us, a lot of those details are still being worked out um, in terms of the sponsors, et cetera. So um, there'll be more information on parking and, and, and all those types of uh, issues, both on our website and there'll be a, a, an event website coming later. Um, but you could always find the information on ours once everything is announced at it probably will be after the tour championships. So that'll be our focus through, you know, September. And then as we go into October to promote the East Lake Cup, is when we'll highlight some of those uh, some of those issues. All right, great, Chad. You know, as I was doing some of the research and uh, looking back over the history of East Lake and the competitions there, as I saw, you know, back in '07. Now, new reigning Open champion Zach Johnson went out and set the course record. He just like shot sixty. Did you get a chance to uh, to talk to Zach after that round? I did. I did. He apologized. Um, (laughs) Is that right? He did. You know, Zach is a uh, is a a stand up of a guy as you'll ever meet anywhere. Um, And the players that were there that year in 2007 realized that we were up against. you know, uh, just a terrible situation from a weather standpoint. Uh, the golf course was completely defenseless. Um, the greens were softer than they've ever been in any year that we've hosted the Tour Championship. And and the players knew that. And I saw Zach when he when he finished. And, you know, Zach's played in our tournament in, in Florence a few times. And I've helped him with uh, his event up in Cedar Rapids before he got that started um, about five years ago. So we know each other pretty well. And he... You know, came in. He goes. He goes. I don't want any official recognition for this. He said the golf course is defenseless. I feel bad. I mean, I'm happy I played well, but he said this doesn't. This is not indicative of the quality of golf course that you guys have here. So, um, but yeah, we we talked about it, and 
you know, he handled it with all the humility and grace you would expect him to. Yeah, and as, as I recall, the the '07 event, uh, we had torrential rains here in Atlanta, and at, at some point, correct me if I'm wrong on the years, but maybe I think it was in '07. The court, the golf course itself, for a time, was completely underwater. Is that correct? I think that's right. Um, it was really hot. We had an unbelievably hot August that that year. Um, one of the hottest on record in terms of number of days and average temp and, and lack of uh, rainfall through the month of August. And so we basically had the greens on life support. And, um, in fact, they canceled the pro-am that year. They canceled one of the practice rounds. Um, you know, they wouldn't let players hit more than one ball under the green, uh, tried to limit traffic on the green as much as we could. It was a it was a dire situation in 2007 from a from a turf quality standpoint, um, mm-hmm. and just because it was just an unbelievably hot August, and that's sometimes that happens. And thankfully, we we switched the grass uh, to a warm season grass, a uh, mini verde grass, the next year for 2008. And you know, since that year, the the winning score has been in the range of eight to eleven under every year, right in that range is kind of where we want to be. And you know, the, the the golf course has some teeth when the greens are firm. And sort of speaking of of, of weather, Chad, in in the weeks leading up to the Tour Championship, is weather the only thing, or are there other things that are challenges that sort of keep you awake at night, hoping you know everything goes right? Weather is the only thing, really. I mean, most everything else. Um, this will be our fifteenth time to host the event, and so we've got a pretty good understanding of what to expect. Um, the only thing you can't plan for is weather and weather has a compounding effect on everything that happens with the tournament from traffic, parking, evacuation, volunteers, staff parking. It just, it, it's, you know, if you have bad weather, it, it takes over your thinking and you have to kind of rethink what you, um, every facet of the event. Um, and so outside of that, if you've planned accordingly, you know, and, uh, outside of some catastrophic event that, you know, no one wants to think about. The weather is the only thing that I would, I would, I would say that would keep me up um, in terms of the planning. Last year's event, Jordan Spieth played in the Tour Championship, shot 80 in the third mm-hmm. round and finished next to last. I'm guessing you're not expecting a repeat of that performance from him this year. Not expecting a repeat, of, no. They're very excited that he's number one on the FedEx list and, of course, and the hottest player in golf right now. So I'm looking forward to having him come back. But, no, to answer your question, I would be shocked if he shot 80. Um, curious, how much in advance of the tournament are uh, are guys coming out to East Lake to to get a practice round in, and then I'm I'm guessing I'm with you and and uh, your your club's your uh, superintendent Ralph Keppel to pick your brains a little bit. But how soon are you expecting guys to start showing up to uh, to get a couple of rounds in to refamiliarize themselves with golf? We we've never had a player come. Before the week of, really, um, ever, um, not wow. not you know they may have come out earlier in the year to to do something else, but they don't come in early. They they play so much golf, um, you know Augusta and, and maybe some of the major courses are are the only situation that I've seen where a player may go in before the week of, and I think there's a couple reasons for that. Number one, you know the the golf course or any golf course that you play is everything that's done is designed for the golf course to peak at a certain time, Um, Mm -hmm. especially as it relates to the firmness and speed of the greens, 
which is the number one factor that those guys are worried about. They're not worried about, you know, their caddy's going to have carry distances where hazards are, where the, you know, the the, the no-hit areas are. They're going to have all that information done before the player gets there. And so the speed of the greens and the firmness of the greens is the one thing that they really, um, you know, want to know. If it's a golf course, you know, like that no one's ever played before, like um, Chambers Bay this year for the U.S. Open, then, yeah, you may want to go out there and, and decide what clubs you hit off tees, what your lines are, things like that. But a you know, golf course like ours that is pretty traditional and everything is laid out in front of you, there's really no need um, for guys at that level to, you know, play a bunch of practice rounds to get to come up to get comfortable, um, especially if the greens are going to be different than what they're going to play on in the tournament week. Mm-hmm. Chad, Billy Herschel became the fifth consecutive FedEx Cup champion by winning the Tour Championship last year. And people talk about how the Players' Championship, you know, should perhaps be the fifth major. But but if they're going to talk about an event becoming a fifth major, shouldn't it be the Tour Championship? Well, I mean, I don't know that there will ever be a fifth major. Um, you know, majors are majors for a reason. And, you know, you can't um, – it's hard to manufacture things like that. Um, and so, I, you know, I don't really ever think about or get caught up in the fifth major debate. I mean, you look at what we have in terms of a playoff situation and, and, and how exciting it is for the fans and the players to be part of that. And so it's a different kind of competition, um, a little bit more pressure um, because you have to play well to keep going, um, just like in any other, you know, uh a playoff situation, whether it's football or anything else. And so the pressure is different and mm-hmm. the money is huge. So it has a different feel. And, and I don't know that, you know, singling out the last event of the playoffs could be, you know, would make it a fifth quote unquote major. Um, it's a little different. Um, I think the majors hold a special place in the players' hearts and in the fans' hearts. That's really hard to, you know, manufacture that sentiment from fans, and I think also from the players themselves. And so we try to celebrate the playoffs themselves, the other events that are involved, um, the PGA Tour's commitment to making the FedEx Cup work, um, as opposed to comparing our event to the players or you know the World Golf Championships or any other big events. Does, does the PGA need to take a look at how the FedEx point system is put together? Because if you look at the guys that have won – the FedEx Cup Championship over the last five years. You know, Billy Herschel, like I say, last year, Henrik Stenson the year before that, Brant Stenecker, Billy Haas, Jim Furyk. I, I think if you look at, you know, those guys, I'm not sure that we would have said that that was sort of the, the best player in, 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 in any given season. Is, is, does the FedEx points need to – would we need to revamp that? Do they need to take another look at that? Well, I think you need to look at it two different ways. You know, the, I, I would say the media and the, the folks that promote golf – would like to think that the Jordan Spees are always going to win. You know, I think Tiger, in his performance in his kind of golden years, they he kind of spoiled what what is realistic about you know in terms of golfers. Um, and so the playoffs are designed to reward the player that's playing the best through the playoffs. It's the same thing that happens in baseball. You know, you may have a team that plays red hot the whole year and then stubs their toe in the playoff and gets eliminated. That's why you have the playoffs. And so to answer your question, I don't think they need to change it. Um, Now, would it be better if we could always guarantee that we would have all the A-list, you know, players, all the most well-known players 
to be in the top 30 and by Sunday, you know, the top four competing in the last two groups, that would be fantastic for, you know, television ratings, media, and everybody else, and the fans. But the the playoffs were created, and the the playoffs, you know, you you can pick any sport and name teams that were the best throughout the year that had one bad game in the playoffs and they didn't make it. And that's where the right. pressure comes in, you know. And that's where that's where and that's what they're. That's why I think our event's different than you know, kind of in the looking at the other majors. Although, if you ask any, you know, any of the top players or any basically any player that can compete in a major, are they trying to have their game peak for the majors? Absolutely, they are. Um, and so, but in the playoffs, you got to play well for four weeks. Um, and right. so you. It's harder to to kind of time the peak, to time your rest, time your what kind of course you're playing on. Um, so it's a different dynamic. And to, and to that point, when you talk about you know guys trying to get their you know get their performance and their game peaking you know four times a year at the majors, you know after we get through the you know the PGA Championship, you know do, do you think the players sort of let down a little bit? You know the majors are now over and you know sort of the season is sort of winding down. Is it harder for them to get themselves back up for that run to get to the Tour Championship? It it may be a challenge, but I think if you ask any any player on the PGA Tour, what their season goal would be on one of the on that sheet would be to to make it to East Lake, um, because that means they're the one of the top you know thirty players for the year, which means they've had to do a lot of good things throughout the year to be there, including playing well in the playoffs. And so, I would say, you know, that is a goal for them. And so, you know, you have to time when you play, when you peak, how you take care of yourself. Um, you have to kind of plan, you have to make plans for that because the money and the prestige of winning the FedEx Cup is so big. Um, I mean, it's a game changer for, for for people that win the FedEx Cup, you know, like a Jim Furyk or a Billy Horschel, um, you know, guys like that that maybe aren't in the, in the Spieth, Bubba Watson, Tiger Phil category. But, you know, no one can argue that Billy Horschel played unbelievably through the playoffs last year. I mean, if you remember, he hit that unfortunate shot on, on 18 the week before. He would have won, I, th- I think he won one other event, but he could have won three playoff events, which would have been unbelievable. Right. Um, right. He was, but he was playing better than everybody else, so he, he deserves it. So um, <laughs> that's why I think, again, we're, we're look at, we look at what we have here differently than what a major is. Talking to uh, Chad Parker, general manager and operating officer at East Lake Golf Club here in Atlanta. Chad, just a couple more before we let you go. We've done a lot of football references, and I mentioned Ralph Keppel a little while ago, your, your golf course superintendent. He's an Ohio State alum, and even though you went to Mississippi State, I know you're a big Alabama football fan. Got to believe right. there was a wager. There was a wager going on during the college football playoffs last season. Did you say you were going to be talking to Ralph later? Um, yep. Uh, we there was no wager. Um, I offered, I, I offered to participate in the wager, and we decided uh, against that. Um, so I, I made that okay for that. I don't think Ralph and, and most Ohio State fans were as confident as they maybe are now about the chances they had, um, you know, to make it to the playoffs and in the course to, to win it all like they did. So um, no no wager. Huh. Surprise! I, f- I figured that was going to be 
a hotly contested uh, uh, event between the two of you. But, uh, yeah, perhaps you're right. I guess going in there with their third-string quarterback, maybe they weren't as confident as they should have been in, right. in victory. But So what are your expectations for Alabama this year? Uh, well, I think there's a lot of questions at, at quarterback and, and also at running back. So, um, you know, it, it'll come down to the to the quarterback who gets it and how comfortable he is in the system. And um, if you don't have a good quarterback, you just you cannot compete in in any league, and then certainly not in the SEC. So, I think that's the biggest right. question mark, and and no one knows what that'll be yet. Well, Chad. Thank you so much for, for taking time out of your morning to come back on the show. You're always a lot of fun to talk to. I hope you'll come back soon. We'd like to catch up with you as we, as the Tour Championship gets a little bit closer, plus uh, get an update uh, on the event, the East Lake Cup that's coming up in November. But uh, thank you so much for being a part of the you show today. Thanks for having me on. Sure, absolutely. All right, take day. care, Chad. All the best to you thank and your family. All right, thank you very much. Bye-bye. All right. Again, that was Chad Parker. General Manager, Chief Operating Officer at Eastlake Golf Club here in Atlanta. Great stuff. And, uh, you know, if uh, you haven't been out to Eastlake to check out the Tour Championship, uh, you got to put it on your calendar to do so. Beautiful golf course. So much history there, uh, getting, again, dating back to, to Bobby Jones. But uh, look forward to having Chad join us again uh, here uh, hopefully real soon. All right, now back with me on the uh, Seymour Putters guest line is Sports One Marketing CEO and best-selling author David Meltzer. Dave's book, Connected to Goodness, Manifest Everything You Desire in Business and in Life, continues to fly off of uh, shelves at bookstores and, uh, and, and Amazon.com as well. He is positively impacting people's lives all over the world through his company, Sports One Marketing, and his partnership with NFL Hall of Famer Warren Moon. His site, MeltzerMission.com, has a wonderful positive message every day, so I really encourage our listeners to check it out and sign up for their daily inspirational message. It's going to help get you in the right frame of mind to start your day. Dave's one of the most inspirational guys you'll ever talk to, you ever hear speaks, and so I'm very glad he is next on the tee with me again this morning. Good morning, Dave. How are you, my friend? Oh, I'm great. I'm uh, just on my way to Seattle from New York, it's been a crazy week after we broke the the story on Russell Wilson over on your Thursday night tailgate show. So it's been an exciting week for us, and uh, glad to hear the Ohio State Buckeye stories. As you know, I actually <laughs> did have faith <laughs> and threw my I threw all my money down on Ohio State, and uh, it's carried me through this year. My wife is very grateful. <laughs> I bet she is. Dave, I wanted to start by talking about an article uh, you recently wrote titled Six Principles to Coach By, and it starts out by recognizing our good friend, Dr. Jen Welter, who became the uh, first female to coach in the NFL. Talk about her as an inspiration, first of all, and then talk about the six principles that, uh, that to coach by. You know, she's an amazing person. If you look at, you know, what she's done and the timing that she's done, had been involved in football for almost two decades uh, when it was not acceptable for women to e- even be a fan of, of football way back when, and and here she is as a player and a student and a uh, you know a, a doctor, uh, she is an amazing person, and you, you got to give uh, the Cardinals head coach uh, some credit as he put it out right. there if he could find someone qualified, uh, but but it's the exact principles that I talk about is here's a woman who consciously consciously thought about what she wanted. And it became a possibility, even when everyone else thought it was an impossibility. And she took it through all of her values, uh, her foundation, as I call them, the foundation principle. Then she had her clarity, balance, and focus and stayed confidence with her guidepost. 
And then she kept a positive perspective with gratitude as well as empathy, which is forgiveness, and uh, asked for a lot of help and stayed inspired, which turned her possibility into a probability. But what makes her so interesting to me is the action principle side is there's so many people that talk the talk, uh, but she walks the walk. And to walk the walk, you need to utilize these action principles, which is discipline, strategy, and understanding. And over the last two decades, she's been an overachiever. Uh, nonetheless, even though she's uh, vertically challenged like me, uh, she is an unbelievable athlete. Uh, she's been an unbelievable coach. And she should be just overwhelmed. You know, if, if to me, if there was a Courage Award for for the ESPYs, I know I wrote an article on that. And I right. think that, you know, our, our, our friend, uh, Miss Jenner, she, she deserves uh, a, a lot of accolades for having courage. Uh, but, but I think, you know, that story has been overplayed and with the reality shows and the, the 2020s and the vanity fairs and all of that. I think, you know, the, the people that we should really admire are someone like Dr. Welter, who has overcome so many challenges uh, and, and does not have the publicity, does not have uh, all of the connections and awareness and profile uh, that Miss Jenner may have. And so I, I'm just a huge fan of hers, and uh, anything we can do at Sports One Marketing, Warren and I for her, we would gladly do because I think she's going to be a huge success. And in the next 20 years, so many women and young girls are going to have inspiration because she had the belief in herself when no one else did. So thanks for bringing that story up because it's been amazing. Yeah, absolutely it has. And Dave, the last time we spoke on this show, you were looking forward to, as you talk about the ESPYs, you were looking forward to being at the ESPY Awards. It's always an event that's you know special to me because it supports the V Foundation, which is a charity that's near and dear to my heart. But talk about what it was like being a part and, uh, and witnessing this year's event. You know, it's just amazing because of, like I said, the aggregate and accumulation of the best athletes in the world with the best entertainers in the world on the biggest stage in the world at ESPN. And they do such a fabulous job of inspiring people, but most importantly, raising money for the V Foundation, uh, which is near and dear to our heart as well. And everyone, as you know, the V Foundation states, is touched uh, by cancer, and it's something that we need to eradicate. You know, Warren and uh, sits on the board, the national board of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, trying to eradicate children's cancer and leukemia and, you know, have switched and completely shifted the paradigm of leukemia where when uh, 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 it started, 96% of the people uh, died and now less than 4% do. So, you know, our money, your money, everyone's money helps so much. And these huge stage, entertaining, highly successful events just, raise more awareness and money so that someday uh, no child and hopefully no adult will die of cancer. There you go. That's great stuff. Dave, let's talk a little a little sports and a little golf. Um when I when I think about professional athletes, Dave, you know, you, you know, even in a team sport, but really the the athlete becomes their own brand, if you will, and and that may not be any more true than in golf since it's an individual game and not a and not a team game. Players, you know, go out and they may be repping for whoever it is, whether it's Callaway or Nike or TaylorMade. You know, they do that on the course, but it's really their own brand that's at risk if issues arrive. Talk about some of the hidden pressures that you know golfers face and athletes in general face if if they make a mistake, not only just in their personal life, but if they make a mistake in pressing send when maybe they shouldn't have. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, the two issues that we teach and 
you know, even way back with Lee, uh, is, is two that are two of the pillars that I live by. I have four pillars, gratitude and empathy, everyone knows, uh, and that's for your life. But professionally, accountability and effective communication. And uh, that's the issue at hand when we make mistakes. Now, every single person has made mistakes and will continue to make mistakes. The key is that we need to take accountability and liberate ourselves, get out in front of it, illuminate illuminate the, the mistake that we make and, and then effectively communicate what we've done. So as you can see from even Ariana Grande, when, when she made her mistake with the donuts and then even worse, she went so far below the line with her excuses and apologies and blame, shame, and justification. The key, the key is very simple. It's, it's very, very simple to be accountable and then to effectively communicate your accountability. And you actually can raise your profile and respect by doing that because the truth, the truth vibrates the fastest. And sooner or later, as Tom Brady has found out and others, the truth will always come out. And if you are not on the side of accountability and you are not effectively communicating, you will diminish the trust that you have with your fans, your teams, your family, your friends, so accountability and effective communication is the key to actually raising your profile when you make a mistake by being accountable and communicating it effectively. And, and to that end, if, if athletes, let's and let's go, you know, we'll, we'll step over to the on the football side. But if athletes like Tom Brady, let's say, because it's it's such a big deal, right? We've heard so much about the Flakegate forever. Um, but if athletes would just step up like a Tom Brady and say, you know what? It wasn't, you know, I didn't really realize it was that big a deal. You know, I like the football a little softer. Ask the guys to take, you know, a pound of air out of it. It's, you know, that's how I like to throw the football. I didn't realize it was a big deal to anybody else. I didn't think it was that big of an infraction. You know, I did it. To your point about accountability, I did it. I'm sorry. This thing all goes away, right? I mean, it's a, you know, it's a it's a minor infraction. Maybe Maybe he gets fined a little bit of money. Maybe they give him a game. I think that's even a stretch. But this whole thing goes away, you know, and, and, and athletes that do it with performance-enhancing drugs, if you go, you know what, you got me. I'm sorry I did it, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, it's here and gone. Is it not? Absolutely. You take all the energy out of it. And we all know how we feel when we don't tell the truth. There's an energy that comes over us, and some of us hold in these truths, I mean, these lies for years, and some for days and some for minutes. But the truth vibrates the fastest. And I encourage and instill and empower all those that Warren and I work with that, look, we all make mistakes. That's why empathy is so important because I not only forgive you, but I forgive myself for making these mistakes. But if we can come out and illuminate the truth, and illuminate the truth that we're human and that this is what happened and that I'm willing to accept the punishment that you deem fit, and it's usually far less. And the most important thing is you give no energy to the media. There's nothing to talk about. There's nothing to talk about except for how accountable and, and how mature and how much character and integrity you have that you've made a mistake and own up to it. And that story right. doesn't last very long. That story doesn't last very long because the media doesn't like those stories. They like lying and cheating <laughs> and stealing and those things because they keep prying and prying because they know the truth is vibrating, so they've got to get to the truth. And eventually, the truth will come out, so you might as well be a hero for telling the truth instead of a zero for lying. There you go. I couldn't agree with that statement more. 
Dave, I know you got to run. You got a busy schedule, and uh, you're on your way to, uh, up to Seattle. Uh, let our folks know where where can they find you? Where can they hear you speak? And and also uh, sign up for uh, for your your websites and uh, find your book. Oh, excellent. Well, I'm going to be speaking at the Secret Knock next week in San Diego uh, at the Dana Point Ho- the Dana Hotel. Uh, one of my favorite things with Bob Proctor and a variety of just huge, huge speakers in a, in a great audience. Uh, you know, obviously we have sportsonemarketing.com, connectedtogoodness.com, and themeltzermission.com. I also am doing mission meetings uh, that people can listen into uh, where we give our critical business issues and personal issues for personal professional growth. It's just taking off. It's great for golfing, great for fans, great for husbands and wives. These are unbelievable one-hour meetings that you can just call and listen to. So just contact us at themeltzermission.com. Uh, or at sportsonemarketing.com. Uh, you know, the book's doing great. i just uh, finishing my fifth book with Blaine Bartlett called Compassionate Capitalism and went to New York and working a deal. We're going to be releasing a few more books here in 2016. So things are going great with the support of people like you, Chris. So thank you so much, and I look forward to being on the show and, and talking to you on Thursday as well at the, at the Thursday Night Tailgate. So thank you. Ah, Thank you, Dave. It's always Great getting to have you as part of this show every month, and then uh, we get the privilege of talking with you every week on the 12th Man segment on our Thursday Night Tailgate show. So thank you for being a part of both shows, and uh, we look forward to catching up with you again on this show next month. In the meantime, safe travels, my friend. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Take care. All right. Take care, Dave. That's David Meltzer, again, as he uh, pointed out at the end. MeltzerMission.com. Great stuff. You know, you get inspirational messages uh, sent right to your email box every morning if you sign up for that. So go check that out. Uh, His book is Connected to Goodness, Manifest Everything You Desire in Business and in Life. You can find it on Amazon.com. And uh, he is the CEO of Sports One Marketing, which he's in partnership with Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon. So they're always doing great stuff. So please check them all out online as well. All right. Now back with me on uh, the Seymour Putters guest line to answer more of your questions is our good friend and 2003 PGA champion, Sean McKeel. Hey, Sean, how have you been, my friend? Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm fantastic. You? I'm just getting up and going this morning. Got uh, <laughs> at the end of the summer, got to start packing for, for a couple of weeks, so a lot going on. No doubt. John, I, I want to start by reflecting back on uh, on your performance at the Barbasol Championship a couple of weeks ago. You played really well, five under par, eagled 16 on Sunday. Talk about uh, your play there. Yeah, you know, I was uh, well, I was happy to get in for sure. It has it's been kind of a slow year, but um, I played really well. The, the first day wasn't wasn't so great. Had uh, 16 pars and two bogeys. Um, didn't play a great round of golf there, but um, I think a lot of that is just, I think it's just a little bit of the anxiety that, that I think, you know, is there for, you know, just not playing, um, maybe playing a little bit too conservatively or what have you. But uh, I was really pleased to to put a solid round together on Friday and shoot 68 to make the cut and then, and, uh, you know, post a couple of decent numbers. I missed out on a lot of scoring opportunities throughout the week, but, you know, again, I think a lot of it just goes back to maybe the conservative play, the way that I've played, and not wanting to, to kind of throw away or, you know, make mistakes. Um, you know, there's lots of things I'm playing for. There's, there's you know, other opportunities throughout the year. Um, you know, FedEx Cup points, you know, money for my category for next year. 
So there's a lot of things that kind of are going through my mind, but it was important for me to play four days, and, and I felt like a lot of the stuff that I did was uh, was pretty good. Just uh, like I said, just the scoring could have been a little bit better, but uh, I was pleased with with getting the ball around the course. So what's what's next for you? What's up on your schedule coming up? Well, I'm leaving tomorrow. I uh, <clears throat> I got into the uh, the Barracuda Championship, uh, and uh, which is in Reno. For anybody that that uh, the event's been around for a while, but for anybody that knows, it's a uh, it's a stable for scoring system. So it's it's exactly like we used to do and played the old Castle Pines tournament in Denver, um, the international, um, where you know par is zero, birdies are one, double eagles, or I think eagles are three, double eagles are eight, bogeys are minus one. So you'll hear all of that. So it's an interesting scoring right. system. Uh, it's fun. Um, it it kind of Allows for some aggressive play. Uh, there's a lot of birdies to be made. It's a good golf course. Um, it's, a, it's a difficult golf course in the sense that it's it's at you know probably a, I don't know six or seven thousand feet, maybe five thousand feet in elevation. So the ball travels. It does get a little bit of you know wind uh, around there. So mountain golf is is pretty difficult in the conditions where you're having to guess the distance and try to figure out the wind, uh, which I think makes makes it even better to have a have an event like this uh, because there have been certain holes where I've played and I've, you know, either airmailed the green because I just misjudged <laughs> the wind or whatever. And, you know, I try to make a par, try to make a bogey, but if I make a double, I just pick the ball up and say, hey, guys, I'll see you in the next tee, kind of, kind of, you know. Kinda, so it's, it, it's, uh, it, it's fun, and uh, I'm really excited to be playing. Um, you know, so that'll I'll follow it up with the PJ Championship at Whistling Straits next week or the week after. Uh, right. So I've been working so, hard, and um, like I said, it's been great really to get in a few events to play some competition. It's hard to uh, replicate so, that uh, just around, um, you know, playing here in Memphis. So I'm excited about playing. Yeah, and, and to that end, you know, we'll get into some of the questions that uh, our listeners have for you. But that is one of the questions is. Talk about, you know, why is it important to get in, you know, uh, into tournaments from a play perspective? The question, you know, is exactly talk about why it is different playing the game in a tournament under competition versus going out and practicing around on your own. Well, first of all, I think it's important to try to play, at least at my level, to try to play in, uh, you know, under some sort of you know, pressure situations, whether it's in your own mind or whether it's against friends around here um, that play at a high level. I don't know, but it's, it's you know, when you're when you're playing tournament golf, you don't get a second opportunity to, uh, you know, make a putt or uh, hit a great tee ball, whatever, whatever the case may be. You know, when you're just out practicing, uh, maybe you're working on your technique or maybe you're just warming up. Uh, when you go out and play, like I played with my dad's group the other day and shot 65, you know, it was really, it was, it was just, it was so easy. One, I think I'm comfortable with the golf course. I'm comfortable with uh, my playing partners. Um, and also there's no um, consequences for not playing a great round. And so uh, when you get in a tournament golf, there's, again, there's so many things that you're playing for. You, you, it's almost like two tournaments in one, you know, you're trying to make the cut. And I know, look, you don't want to start out Thursday thinking, oh, I just want to make the cut. I mean, that's not really what you start. Maybe maybe someone in my situation where I'm not I don't have a guarantee next week. So it is important for me to 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 make the cut and 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 so that does come into my mind. It didn't always it didn't always come into my mind. 
Um, but it does now, I think, a little bit more, which is probably why, I, you know, it, it's just difficult to play. But it's hard to replicate tournament conditions just at home um, because, you know, I go out there and I only get one opportunity to, to, to play a hole and, and hit a shot and, and you know, kind of uh, plod my way around the golf course, whereas I'm just playing around town. You know, if I hit one off the tee on the first hole bat, I just took, you know, hit another one. Um, so, um it's just it's hard to you just can't replicate the pressure situations um at home um mm. but you got to prepare you got to prepare like you're playing in the tournament and it's just hard to do that right our next question is is along the lines you mentioned a moment ago how are you preparing for whistling straights which is a a link style layout well i've done a lot of just kind of mental preparation i think over the last oh i don't know three or four months. I mean, I've been thinking about the tournament for a while, but um, just in the last couple of months, I've really started thinking about the holes. Um, we've been pretty lucky, I think, of the last the last two times. You know, 2004 was where I defended and VJ won, and then, of course, we went back in 2010, and everybody remembers the situation that happened with Dustin. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I know the course well. It's not your traditional links. Um, it, there is a lot of – most of the golf course – is played through the air. You can play along the ground. I think just with some of the uh, areas around the greens and and that. But um, I've just kind of mentally prepared myself. Just the layout of the course. Um, I've looked at my yardage book from last the last time. Just kind of getting a, a try to remember all the holes and just the distances. Um, you know, you just don't know what type of weather you're going to get. You know, it's a pretty big body of water to the to the east the golf course there and again we've been very fortunate with not having a tremendous amount of wind um and maybe that's just seasonal i don't know but um you know we've had fog and stuff like that have created some delays but for the most part we've escaped any type of difficult conditions and i think you know if if it got really tough that golf course could become unplayable i mean you think about how difficult it was uh, at St. Andrews, and when there's no wind, I mean, the par in that golf course is four under. Um, it's just not that tough of a golf course if you're not playing. But this golf course is tough, you know, without the wind. Um, there's a lot of bunkers. Um, you know, there's a lot of lot of bunkers that are you think are out of play that, um, you know, a little bit of wind or whatever, and you, you can find yourself in, in some difficult situations. Uh, there's some long par threes. Um, there are some par fives, I think, that you you know that you can reach. You know, so for my preparation, it's just mostly been just mental, just kind of going through the golf course and um, trying to remember great shots that I've hit and um, and and that. I mean, I've been doing this so long now. I don't I don't always feel like I have to, you know, show up at a tournament, you know, four or five days early to kind of really prepare because, uh, as the guys saw at St. Andrews this year, they had really great conditions for the practice rounds. And then all of a sudden, the second day, um, it was just a totally different golf course. So right. you know, most of the stuff that I do has just been mental. And I think that's what most of the guys do. So when will you show up? And the next question is from a, a local Wisconsin resident wanting to know when will you be coming to start practicing and getting your game in shape up there at Whistling Straits? Yeah, you know, I thought about coming up there this weekend and then uh, playing for, you know, because I figured I was going to get into Reno. And then just as time had kind of gotten past, um, you know, I'm not doing that. But uh, I'm going to play next week in Reno and, uh, you know, hopefully play well there, uh, which means getting from Reno to Milwaukee is going to be either a red-eye flight or it's going to be, 
you know, a, a kind of a Monday flight. Um, maybe I can get out late in the afternoon on Monday, but with no pro am there on Wednesday, it's uh, it, it gives you gives me an extra day to kind of really prepare. Um, it's tough, you know, when you get at a major championship. There's there's a lot of a lot of buzz. There's a lot of people, um, you know, and so. Sometimes if you get out there and you start playing on Monday, you play Tuesday and you play Wednesday, you know, by the time Thursday shows up, you're, you're kind of out of gas. Um, you know, everybody's excited about, you know, being on property and um, there'll be a lot of people there that have never played the golf course before. Uh, so they'll be excited about getting out there. There's going to be, you know, the, the 20 club pros that, um, that qualified to the club pro championship here a couple of weeks ago. Many of them may have never played this golf course too. So they'll be out there. Um, working at it. But um if I don't get there till Monday afternoon, um that's fine. I might I'll come out Monday night probably and Monday afternoon and, and hit a few balls and chip, maybe walk the course and uh um you know, but everybody's a little bit differently. But you can get burned out if you're not careful. So right now my plan is to play well in Reno be there on Monday. If not, I'll fly out Saturday and, and play around on Sunday. So as a previous PGA champion, what's uh what's it like for you to go back to this event? I mean, what are the me- the the demands on your time like? Well, the demands on my time aren't aren't are not aren't, aren't there because I uh, you know I'm, I've not played very well. There's so many other great stories out there in golf besides mine. Uh, you know, I take some just personal reflection when I get there because that's the first place. That's where I defended my title. That's where I held my champion's dinner. Um so there'll be a lot of a lot of memories for me. But as far as my time, unless I unless I play well, you know, I'm not gonna uh get any attention, which is totally fine by me. I mean there's so many great great play players in the game right now and, and uh you know with Jordan and then of course Zach Johnson winning the open championship um, you know, so I won't have I won't have a whole lot to do unless I unless I start playing some great golf on Thursday. So to that end, Sean, you know, we've talked many times about uh, your being you know more introverted, but you really like interacting with the fans and 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 those you know who seem to be you know in, in and around you know in in and around you and as as people that have followed you, you know, obviously doing this segment on the show, people sending you questions. But you you think about someone who's an introvert and then someone who enjoys the fans as as much to you. You would think those things would be in conflict with one another. Is the introverted part just just the part that you know that's you when you leave the golf course, or how do you reconcile those two things? Well, I think the introverted part just comes at the very beginning, um, and that being that uh, yeah, I've I've ne- I've always been this way, and I don't not necessarily I don't really like it about myself, but. I'm not the greatest at, at going up and introducing myself to new people. And, you know, I've, I've thought about that. Um, you know, it goes back. I mean, I remember times in college and high school and stuff where I just, you know, if you, you approach me and we start talking, I'll talk your ear off, but I'm not, I guess I'm just not somebody that just goes up and introduces myself to people. And I don't know why that is. It comes off as standoffish. And I, I do understand that. I think that's why I say that, that I don't like that about about me. I've just always been that way, um, you know. And I and I try to change it. I do. I've gotten a lot better at it. But you know, I I, I just don't know. I think maybe it's just my mom's personality. I I got my mom's, uh, you know, I, the personality. I'll say is and I just I'm pretty quiet, and kind of until you get me going. 
Um, it was kind of ironic, really, a few years ago when I was, you know, this was about 2011, and and uh, I had a friend of mine that was out caddying for me, and I was going to play a practice round. It was me and Kenny Perry and I think J.B. Holmes and maybe Teeter were going to go out and play. And um, I came down to the range, and, and I didn't find this out till later, but my caddy told me that Kenny started calling me the mayor because I had to stop and greet every single player along the range. But I thought that was kind of, you know, used the term ironic, and I, and I will too, because, uh, but I know all those people. I mean, once I know you and I kind of feel comfortable, I think I just, I can, I can talk. I just, I just have always been somebody that's never been comfortable just going up and starting a conversation. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a great conversationalist. I'm not going to, um, you know, probably come up and start, you know, just not going to start a conversation. I, I don't know why. I just, I just have a tough time doing that. But I'm, I'm totally yeah, fine, well. you know, in front of people and uh, speaking about things. Uh, I'm very open. Uh, I think if if someone's wanting to ask me a question, um, I'm certainly there to answer it. Um, you know, and so that's what I tr- that's what I try to do. But uh, that's just it's just me, and it's not a great great part of uh, being me. Um, but, you know, I, I've, I've dealt with this my entire life and, um, I think people that know me understand that about me and, and even though they don't really get it, it's just, that's just me. So I don't really yeah. know what else to say about that. Yeah, no, well, you do a great job here. Let me tell you that. And, you know, you do a great job interacting with the fans and answering their questions and, and, uh, you know, being a part of this show. So, you know, all I can say is, you know, what, what it's like to, to, to be able to have the you know, the internal to to walk up to somebody, introduce themselves versus what you do here. You do a great job here. Let me tell you that, my friend. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. And again, it's, it's, it's easy for me uh, to really, once I get going to kind of communicate and um, kind of share my life with people. I, I, I enjoy that. Uh, I'm always willing to help, you know, young people in the game. It doesn't matter whether it's golf or life or, or whatever. Um, I've kind of found that out. I think just raising, raising two children, um, trying to share some of my experiences and, and of course mine are still really young. So there's a lot left for them to learn, but, um, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, always there to try to help anybody out if I can. Sean, our, our next question is, is, uh, more health related. And the question is, have you ever considered any of the new blood related treatments or stem cells to help your shoulder or other injuries you're dealing with? Uh, it's funny. Uh, that sounds like a question that would come from Troy Madison. You know, he's a player. He, he and I played together in uh, in Barbasol on Thursday, Friday, and he asked me the same thing. We were talking about my heart, and he'd asked me about the, some of the new stem cell therapies and, and stuff that were out there. Um, you know, going back to my shoulder, you know, my shoulder, um, uh, it, it still hurts a little bit. Um, I, I don't know if if um, if that would help. You know, I'm 46 years of age now, and, you know, I do um, – I don't really have any limitations with it. Um, the strength isn't there, and some of the surgery that was done on it, you know, like I can't straighten my left shoulder my, or my left arm because my, my bicep tendon was moved over, and, and the screws tightened it up. I can't I can't uh, straighten really? my left arm. So, yeah, no, it, it means pretty straight. It's not like you, – you, I don't think you would notice it. It wouldn't be something that you would notice, and even if I, after telling you this, I'm not sure you would notice it. You, you, you probably would see if I, if you know, my swing, for example. You know, I have a tough time keeping it. I have a tough time keeping it straight. Um, but no, 
I don't know anything about that, but Troy Madison and I were talking about it. He mentioned it to me, um, and I think that those types of things are starting to catch on. So it, it's definitely right. something I need to look would, would be would be open to looking into for sure. But for my heart, you know, or for my shoulder, or for you know uh, any other aches and pains that I may have. The next question comes about uh, relationships on the on the uh, course itself. Actually, what do, what do you think about when? Uh, well, let's let's take this other one first. What do you think about when you're walking from from tee to fairway and fairway to green? What's going through your mind? Are you completely focused on golf, or do you have other things you're you're aware of while you're out there? Yeah, you know, a lot of times I am. Uh, a lot of times I, I kind of get consumed with with golf out there, and I don't always take that mental break. Um, I'm getting better with it, you know. Um, I, I do, I do recall, you know, years ago when I was competing, um, you know, each and every week. Um, <clears throat> I didn't really talk as much as I do as I do now. Um, <clears throat> you know, I didn't really acknowledge um, a lot of the fans and my family and stuff that were out there following me because I just felt like I had had to be in this kind of bubble on the course. And again, that's something that I, I regret, you know, now um, is not being a little bit more um, interactive with, with people on the golf course. Um, but no, I mean, I may be thinking about the shot that I just hit. Um, you know, if, if, if I'm just walking by myself, you know, I'm just kind of processed around, I'm kind of thinking ahead of what, you know, what type of shot I may have. Um yeah, any number of things really. It's um, there could be conversation going on, you know, with, a, with one of the fellow playing competitors. Um, you know, once I hit my second shot in the green, uh, then you know might have a little bit of a relaxed moment there walking up. But then once I start walking up to the green, I'm kind of getting a, a lay of the land and um, you know where my ball is situated and and you know what type of putt I'm going to have. So it goes back into you know I go back into golf mode, I guess. Um, it's hard to stay on all the time. There's a lot of time that, that uh, you have a lot of free time. I mean, I'm sure it's been published out there. You play around the golf in a tournament and you hit, they say you hit 72 shots. Um, those, those 72 shots don't take but maybe, you know, 72 seconds to complete. So um, you think about being out there for four and a half to five hours, and that's not a lot of time for, for the actual technical part of the game. Um, so there's a lot more that goes into it, which is even more important to stay on. I mean, I'm, I'm, I get really tired at the end of the round, and that's usually good for me because if I'm tired at the end of the round, that means my mind was working um, and I was thinking about, you know, kind of how I wanted to play. But guys are different, you know. You look at Tiger, I mean, he wouldn't have a conversation with anybody, you know, years ago when he was in the midst of all the great things he was doing. Uh, and I played with him numerous times. He might say, good shot, and, and um or we might have a little bit of a conversation, but not much. He didn't give you a whole lot. It was just kind of, um, even though it wasn't a match play situation, it was just him against the world out there. And you know, other guys are different. You know, you look at guys like Lee Trevino from years past. That uh, you know, they carried so much nervous energy that talking was was one way to get it out. And um, he did that very well, but. Each of us are different, uh, so I think there's right. a there's a blend for me. But but definitely that's changed more because I I was in this bubble, you know, the, the years ago, and and uh, uh, I regret I kind of regret that a little bit. 
So the offshoot question of this is, you know, when you're playing with somebody, do you talk to them? And is it is it all golf or do you talk about things, you know, that are away from the course? No, we talk no, like Jason Gore. It was me, Jason Gore, and Troy Madison that played the first two rounds uh, at Barbasol. And, um, you know, Jason's a guitar player. I play guitar. Um, you know, we were talking about that and, He's like, he, we don't really know each other that well. I'm, I'm, look, I'm 46. I think Jason might be 40, maybe. You know, it's a little bit of a different in age there. Um, and um, we were just talking about playing guitar and some of the music that I liked and some of the music he liked. And I was going through some of the songs that I play on my guitar. And, you know, all for me, but, and most people don't know this, or probably nobody really does, is I'm kind of an 80s headbanging guy, you know, so I, I'm, matter of fact, I'm sitting here next to my guitar right now. I got one of my 62 reissue SG sitting next to me. And, you know, I, um, I, I like to play Scorpions and Def Leppard and Kiss and, and ACDC and all these, all these crazy things. Um, but when I'm in the car with my kids, I'm forced to listen to like Disney channel and all this new <laughs> pop Taylor Swift. This stuff. So, so, um, you know, so, I, I do like a wide range of music, but Jason, when I told Jason, he goes, you know what? We need to hang out more because <laughs> I think he likes that too. <laughs> he likes, he likes the heavy metal kind of, it's not thrash music, but you know, just th- songs you would hear from the eighties, Guns N' Roses and things like that. So, um, you know, so Jason and I are talking about that. I mean, we, we talk about golf. We'll talk about the tour. Um, and I think as you age, your conversations are different. Um, you know, I, you get to be my age now, it's like, hey, how you feeling, you know? And whereas a young person doesn't understand that, and I certainly didn't understand that when I was young. You know, we were talking about the new golf courses, the state of the tour, how we were getting from point A to point B, where were we staying, what were the new restaurants, and now all that's old hat to me. I mean, I know I fly into the airport. I don't need to look at a map. I know where my hotel is because I pretty much stay at the same hotel at each 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 of the places, Um you know, I know how to get to the golf course. I know how to get in and out of the course. I know where the locker rooms are. So so I know all of that. So so our conversations have changed, and it's really pretty interesting to see how that really has evolved. Um, you know, but it's, hey, we're still out there trying to compete and, and, and make money and provide for our families and, and have a good time. But uh, uh, I, I do miss really kind of, playing more of a full schedule and so that that's that's why i'm working hard that's why i'm working hard to get back and uh they always say you know you don't know what you have till it's gone so uh, type of thing and uh, being 46 you just never know how much longer you're going to play in golf um i look at my good friend lauren roberts you know lauren roberts you know lives five minutes from me and i think he's 59 or going to be 60 this year and he's done very well in the champions tour he's working hard i speak to him and i know he's, he's frustrated um, with parts of his game and, and everything. Um, and he doesn't know how much longer he's going to keep doing it. Um, but he's still out there trying. So I know at some point it'll come to an end for me. I just hope it's a little bit later rather than sooner because I've, I've had enough time off the last couple of years. Yeah. And we hope the same for you as well. Uh, I just, I'm just intrigued by this music piece because, uh, as you mentioned, Jason Gore, and you know, you look at some of the guys on tour, you know, Bobba Watson, Ricky Fowler, right? They get together and and and, and yeah. mess around musically. Like Peter Jacobson. It, it seems like you know, there's there's a lot of musical talent out there on tour. Have you, have you ever tried to get together with a bunch of guys and jam together and you know, put something out? No, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not that great of a player. I mean, 
I uh, I've done a couple things. I've, I did something, um, you know, some acoustic stuff in a bar in in Phoenix a number of years ago. I just walked into this place with some friends, and 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 guy asked me to come up, and I just strummed along. Um, I did play with my good friend Tommy Thayer from Kiss. We played with a band um, here at the FedEx St. Jude Classic. Um, he actually played my SG, and I played. You can probably find it on the internet if you Google it. Um, he played my SG, which actually the SG came from him. His custom shop in Nashville, Gibson Custom, sent me this guitar, and it's beautiful. Um, so I, I, I did. I think I did seven songs. The eighth song I didn't know very well, so I just turned the volume up on my on my guitar. You never know it. I mean, I was I was moving around and acting like I was playing, but the volume was completely off <laughs> on my guitar. You know, so um, which is kind of like you kind of like lip syncing, I guess, but. Um, you know, John Daly and I have played a couple things together. He's pretty good. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I, I enjoy it. I really do. I'll come back here in my, my guitar room and just sit around and just, and just play and, and everything. I've never had any lessons, which is, I I really want to take some lessons. I think that's what I'm going to do this fall to try to get just a little bit better. Um, I understand a little bit about the theory of guitar. Not that you have to know all that really to to be a great guitarist, but it's just it's just interesting to see how all the pieces of music kind of fit together and why they fit together. I mean, it's definitely a formula for for why things fit because they sound well together. And um, so I've enjoyed kind of getting to getting to learn to play a little bit. Uh, normally, I just kind of come back here and just put on YouTube and try to learn to play new songs, you know. Um, so I just learned a new Death Leopard song the other day. So uh, it's fun. I enjoy it. Um, That's great. You know, so I've had a lot of free time. So you'd think I'd be ready to go out on tour like Jimmy Page or something like that <laughs> as much time as I've had <laughs> off. But um, I still That's work pretty good. hard on my golf. But John, I'll tell you what we did. We do. Was... I'll kind of let me digress just a little bit. We did. Yeah. There was a my cousin, my cousin from from uh, uh, Nebraska, and it's a part of my family that I just don't I just don't see very often. And uh, um, we did a uh, there's a little a young man named Nick uh, Kroger from Norfolk, Nebraska, and he was diagnosed with osteosarcoma, which is and uh, really devastating uh, cancer, and uh, lost um, part of his left leg. Um, and he's kind of babbling. I think it's come back into his lymph nodes again. And anyway, my cousin sent something out there on Facebook. And so um, I donated four, uh, four Wanamaker Club tickets to, to Nick and, and, and everything. And so anybody that knows knows me, I think, again, this goes back to me being somewhat introverted. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I, I'm not always the best at, at – I'm willing to help anybody. And uh, – Things don't always go noticed, which is great by me. But in this particular case, uh, this young man is really struggling. We had uh, my, my schoolmate of my sons and daughters passed away about three weeks ago from from the same disease, and she was nine. So I know how devastating it is. But we we raffled off, or, or Roxanne, my cousin, raffled off two pairs of tickets for the PGA, and uh, apparently we just uh, you know, the the Winners were announced, uh, I think, today. So I'm, I'm going to be doing some stuff with them, um, the, the two winners. Uh, one of them's already gotten in touch with me via Facebook. So uh, we've got two tickets for each of them, and 
going to go up there and, and hopefully um, give them a little bit of an access to the PGA Championship and, you know, what my life's all about. So that's just kind of a perfect tie-in for, you know, what I do with Make-A-Wish. Yeah, no, absolutely it is. And speaking of which, tell uh, remind our listeners how they can get involved with uh, either the local chapter there in Memphis or the chapter that's nearest to them from the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Yeah, you know, everybody, I think there's, I don't know how many chapters there are, um, you know, around around the country. Um, but we here in Memphis are uh, part of Make-A-Wish of the Mid-South, which encompasses North Mississippi, uh, West Tennessee, and all of Arkansas. So it's a pretty good-sized um, area that we cover. But you can always just type in, you know, Make-A-Wish into Google or whatever your search engine is. And, um, you, of course, you can follow me on Facebook at, Sean McKeel or Twitter at Sean McKeel PGA, uh, you know, make a wish, um, you know, of the mid South is what we are here. And that's 901 680 wish, uh, for anybody that wants to be involved, but, but, uh, it's a great organization. Matter of fact, the other night I got a private screening of, uh, this movie called bat kid. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, it's where one child, his name is miles from California, uh, whose wish to become Batman uh, transform the entire city of San Francisco. I've never seen anything like yeah. it. I sent out a couple. I sent out a couple tweets to the to the San Francisco chapter um, the other day, and and was really floored by just the production and just how you know how the community came together for this one one young man. And uh, he was five years old. Miles is his name. And uh, so I got a private viewing of that. It was only shown one time in Memphis. I don't know where it's moving on from here, but. Uh, for anybody that gets a chance to see that, or uh, man, you'll be uh, you'll be hooked for life when you see just how how much uh, these wishes affect these children and these families. So uh, I'm very proud to to be a part of that and to be uh, to be invited to see this screening. It's it beautifully done. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think uh, it was a uh, an internet sensation when uh, they were starting to to put those clips together. So yeah, I look forward yeah. to seeing the the finished product. It was great stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really was. I, I was just amazed. And, of course, the story is compelling anyway because, uh, you know, a child, any child with an illness like that, is, uh, it, it captivates a lot of people. And just the, the, the smile, just the greatness of the city of San Francisco to, to be able to pull this off with the mayor and the police chief and, and all the people that, that it took a lot to get this thing to come together. And they, they knocked it out of the park for sure. Absolutely. And Sean, you just mentioned it. How uh, how folks can uh, can follow you, but say it again, say it one more time. How how can people interact with you uh, both online and, and and find you on social media? Yeah, well, you can find me at Sean McKeel on Facebook, and I'm at Sean McKeel PGA is my Twitter handle, and um, that's 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 where I am. And hopefully, I'll be out playing the next couple of weeks, and people will find the time to come up to me and and. Uh, and as you've already heard, they can start a conversation with me, and I'll talk right back. So, um, <laughs> you know, anyway, I'm going to have to work on that. I don't know. I'm going to have to go lay on a couch somewhere, <laughs> parts unknown. But, um, you know, uh, as I age, you know, you, you you think about these things. You're like, man, why was I like that, or why am I like certain ways? And some of the things, some of the answers you get aren't great. But uh, I think we all all go through little little things like that. But um Anyway, I'm uh, I'm grateful to be out playing and uh, looking forward to playing the Barracuda Championship next week and love the city of Reno and, and of course, Whistling Straits. And then beyond that, I just don't know. Hopefully I'll play well enough to get an opportunity to play Wyndham. Uh, Wyndham is a 
Sedgefields, of course, that I won my first Nike Tour championship, which or Nike Tour event, which is the Web.com Tour now at Sedgefield. They're in Greensboro, and um, I, I certainly love to play there too. But I'm going to have to play well at the PGA, I think, to get in there. But but um, you know, so right now my my year is focused on the next two weeks, and uh, right. once the uh, 18th of August gets here, I'll have to kind of figure out you know, what I'm going to do from, from here on out, probably go back to the web.com tour school in November, um, just to try to get my PJ tour card back that way. And, uh, so I'm continuing to work right. hard and I'll continue to be on with you hopefully and, and answer some more questions and, and, uh, uh, you know, all that stuff will, right. the golf will take care of itself. Right. And, you know, we we certainly love the opportunity to to spend some time with you and answer questions and interact with the fans this way and and uh, get your answers back out to the folks that are answer or that are asking them. Uh, hopefully, it won't be for the next couple of weeks because I hope uh, you won't be available over the next couple of Saturdays uh, to, because you're in, you're in the thick of the fight uh, both at the Barracuda Championship and at the PGA Championship. But hopefully, uh, we'll get an opportunity to catch up with you after that. But uh, you know, we're always in your corner, Sean. We're pulling hard for you. And uh, we're thinking about you and uh, and sending uh, as as many positive vibes as we possibly can uh, your way so that you play well. Yeah, I appreciate that, Chris, very much. All right, Sean, we'll catch up in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, best of luck, my friend. And like I say, uh, you're in our thoughts. Thank you. All right, talk to you later. All right, take care, Sean. Bye-bye. That's it. That's 2003 PGA champion Sean McKeel that we have the honor of uh, having as part of the show as uh, frequently as his schedule allows and to answer your questions. So please continue to send those questions our way. You can do it. You can tweet me at CT Mascaro on Twitter, and you can find us on Facebook next on the T with Chris Mascaro. Uh, please you know, send us your questions. We'll get them on the air. We'll get Sean to answer them for you. In the meantime, go Sean. All right, folks, uh, it's time for me to put a bow on this episode. Before we close up shop, I want to give a shout-out to our friends over at Allen Edmonds as well. You know, folks, the shoes of great leaders, from the Oval Office to corner offices to promising cubicles all around the country are part of what make people successful. The right footwear is important on the carpets and the hardwood floors of our global economy. Get it right with made-in-the-USA quality and value from Allen Edmonds. Alan Edmonds is an American original. Check him out online, alanedmonds.com. I also want to remind you about the great book that our friend Dave Stockton Jr. and his father, Dave Stockton, have put out. You know, it's called Own Your Game. Remember, folks, so much of the game is played between that five-inch space between our ears. So get it right. Get your mind right. And the, in their latest book, the Stocktons lets you know how to get your mind in the right place to play winning golf. Own Your Game recreates the experience of riding 18 holes with Dave Stockton at one of his highly sought-after corporate outings and draws from his experience as a champion player, a champion player on the regular tour and the senior tour. Plus, he's such a revered coach from everybody. He shows you how to think better, stay calmer, execute more consistently, and most importantly, folks, how to just enjoy the game more thoroughly. Go to StocktonGolf.com to get your copy, and for a couple extra dollars, Mr. Stockton will even autograph it for you. All right, everybody, my sincere thanks to Chad Parker, David Meltzer, and Sean McKeel for joining me today and for making today's show so much fun for uh, for me to be a part of. We thank you as well for tuning in and for making the decision to take a listen to the show. We appreciate you guys the very most. As David Meltzer said, please also check out our sister show, 
Thursday night tailgate with me, my co-host Bob Lazeri, our announcer Joe Lajanusa. That show airs live every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern time. You can hear it live on Blog Talk Radio and on Armed Forces Radio as well. Plus, uh, you can stream or download us from any number of great sites. We're we're available on iHeartRadio. Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player.fm, SoundCloud, Audio Boom. Our good friends over at Audio Boom uh, are, for, are uh, featuring the show every week for us. So you can find us all across the Internet. And uh, on Thursday Night Tailgate, our show is about we have legends from around the NFL and CFL. Join us every week. Six current or former players are a part of the show, plus David Meltzer uh, is with us every single week. So please check us out. You can find us online, ThursdayNightTailgate.com. You can find this show Next on the T.net, so you can stream or download any of our our archive episodes for either show for free. Plus, you can keep up to date with who some of our future guests are going to be by going to either or both sites. Thank you again for being a part of the show with me today. I really appreciate it. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. Adding the choice of a crispy chicken BLT to Wendy's 4 for 4 is the biggest thing since rappers trying to sing. I got me out and I sound like a robot. But do you like the sound of this? Wendy's 4 for 4 now comes with a choice of a junior bacon cheeseburger or a crispy chicken BLT. From Detroit to Macon, I keep it crisp like bacon. Both are topped with crispy applewood smoked bacon and come with four nuggets, fries, and a Coke for just four bucks. Oh, yeah. At participating Wendy's for a limited time, meal includes small fries and a drink. Not valid in Alaska and Hawaii. Adding the choice of a crispy chicken BLT to Wendy's 4 for 4 is the biggest thing since rappers trying to sing. I got me out and I sound like a robot. But do you like the sound of this? Wendy's 4 for 4 now comes with a choice of a junior bacon cheeseburger or a crispy chicken BLT. From Detroit to Macon, I keep it crisp like bacon. Both are topped with crispy applewood smoked bacon and come with four nuggets, fries, and a Coke for just four bucks. Oh, yeah. At participating Wendy's for a limited time, meal includes small fries and a drink. Not valid in Alaska and Hawaii.